Tonight we are in part two of our Romans series, and uh, in case you're wondering if there's going to be like about 52 parts in the series, uh, because it's a, it's a rather long uh, New Testament book, we're going to uh, be uh, going along through Romans, a uh, few chapters, and then we're going to depart from that. We have another couple series that we're going to be doing, and then we'll jump back into Romans later in the year. And uh, in fact, I'm really excited about a series uh, on women in the Bible. Uh, that's going to be coming up later in the spring. And I think uh, Mother's Day is kind of the, the springboard for us to start that series. So some good things coming down the pike. But I'm excited about Romans. I really am. I love this, uh, this book of the Bible, this letter that Paul wrote that really uh, shares so much about the beauty, the wonder of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. In the days following the, the passing of NBA legend Kobe Bryant, a flood of tributes came in. And a lot of the tributes that came in were Kobe's own words, things that he had spoken uh, over people when he was in a place of leadership. Kobe, like Michael Jordan, was known for his intensity. It wasn't always being his teammate because he demanded hard work and a winning attitude no matter what. No excuses. He was that intense. Now, two of his quotes caught my eye. The first has to do with inspiration. Kobe said this, the most important thing is to try and inspire people so, they, so that they can be great at whatever they want to do. He had appreciated those who had inspired him. And so, as he grew into this uh, amazing basketball player, pro player, all-star, he wanted to inspire others that were coming up behind him. The second quote is equally compelling. The important thing, Kobe said, is that your teammates have to know you're pulling for them. And you really want them to be successful. Kobe was about inspiring people, pulling for them, letting them know that, they, that he had a part in their success, encouraging them. I'm sure each of you have had at least one person in your life up to this point that has been an encourager, an inspiration to you, a cheerleader. Say, you can do this. Don't give up. To inspire you, to, to help motivate you uh, to keep going, to keep pressing forward. I know I have. Now, the Apostle Paul would call these acts, these words of inspiration, acts of encouragement. Such was Paul's mission to encourage. Paul's personal inspiration, however, did not come from a person. It came from the heart of God. The kind heart of God that we sang about earlier this evening. A God who found Paul angry and bitter and through kindness and love changed Paul's disposition and his outlook toward humanity. We see this in his comments in our text today. Let's read it from Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. 
For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Now these caring words are directed to a church that at that point is about the same age as Anchor is now. It was a young church, five, six, seven, eight years old. It's a church that Paul has not even met yet. He's never visited there. Yet these words of encouragement and thanksgiving and his commitment to pray to come see they just flow from his heart to them. He knows that they believe in Jesus and that is enough for him to have deep affection for them. So he thanks God for them. He prays for them. He longs to see them. He wants to strengthen them. He wants to encourage them. He wants to partner with them to share the good news. The big idea in tonight's teaching is simply this. Mutual encouragement in the faith. Mutual encouragement in the faith. I have three points. The first point is this. Spiritual gifts are intended to strengthen others. You see this in verse 11. Now it's natural to assume that when Paul brings up spiritual gift, that he is referring to gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, perhaps Ephesians 4, but he's not referring to those gifts because those gifts clearly come from the triune God. Some of those gifts come from the Father. Some come from the Son. Other gifts come from the Holy Spirit. Paul here, he seems to be using a more general sense. Having never met the Roman Christians, he's not even sure what their primary needs are. What we sense is that Paul will be sensitive to the spiritual needs of those believers. He wants to get to know them. He wants to discover their spiritual need that they have. And then in some way, he wants to be used of God to strengthen them, to encourage them. And so it's not a, a predetermined gift of God, but it's his sensitivity to them that in his gift set, he was multi-gifted, that he would identify the need and then be able to minister to them to give them strength. There's a real need in our culture to truly know and to be known. I'm sure it was true for that Roman church of, made up of uh, Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians. They had the same desire to be known. That, some, that Paul would come and identify the needs they had and, and get to know them and then minister to them. We know how easy it is today to have surface relationships Oftentimes, relationships grow for a couple years maybe, sometimes less, sometimes more, until we get to discover something that we dislike about the other person. I know that's happened. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but it just happens, right? It's like, oh, I thought they were just like me, and then we discover they're not just like me. 
And then what do we do? What's the tendency to do is to, to pull back, maybe to just end the relationship. Maybe you met with them like once every couple of weeks and then it's like once every four months or whatever, but there can be the pulling back. Yet our inner person craves to be understood and not to be judged. Often, as I said, friendships will plateau. They'll end. We pull away. But Jesus models a love that expresses itself in a deeper way the more wrecked a person is. It was interesting. When you read through the Gospels and you, you read Jesus, the story of Jesus interacting with people, when he came into communication, he was there with those that uh, interacting with them. When he identified a spiritual need they had or uh, a flaw in their, in their character, sin in their life, he got closer to them. He didn't pull away from them. He didn't judge them, but he extended love to them, forgiveness, mercy. Again, the heart of God, kindness leading to repentance. And so it's a great model for us as we are people interacting with people. We are people that are Jesus people. We're Christ followers that we would learn from Jesus and that we would model that behavior and go deeper with people even when we see their flaws and say, I'm not pulling away whether you tell them that or not, but in your spirit, it's like, no, I'm not going to leave this person just because there is something here that disturbs me that, that I do not relate to or you, we have a tendency to judge them. So Jesus models this. Paul models this as well. There's gifts such as teaching them instead of pulling away, counseling them, praying for them, listening. I think listening is a spiritual gift. I think it's a gift to have somebody that will just actually not just hear what you're saying, but really like listen and really try to understand, try to, to empathize and try to walk like a mile in your shoes instead of, again, pulling back. I think that's a spiritual gift. Maybe you're compelled to give some of your resources to help them. Because, again, we are called to love selflessly. Spiritual gifts are intended to strengthen others, but it takes a willing Christ follower to be a conduit of blessing. Paul goes on to discuss the commitment of both parties when it comes to spiritual encouragement, which is our second point. Encouragement is to be mutual, not one-sided. Paul writes that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged. Now I have to admit, whenever I hear the word mutual or mutually, my mind immediately races to the movie White Christmas. And there's a line in there when Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye is early in the movie, and there's these two blonde dancers that, that they are um, maybe going to go out with. And Bing Crosby is not interested at all. And so one of the blonde dancers picks up on that, and she says this line, Mutual, I'm sure. Anybody remember that line from the movie, right? So I just had to just get that out because every time I see mutual, mutually, mutual insurance, whatever, so I think of that line in the movie. Anyway, confessions of a guy that watches Christmas movies. 
Anyway, Paul knows the reciprocal blessings of Christian relationships. Here is an apostle that wrote over half of the New Testament. I mean, he wrote all of these amazing letters. And yet he says that he values, he appreciates being encouraged by other followers. It is a humble statement, but I think more than that, he is articulating the need that he has as a human, even though he's an apostle, he's still human, to be known. Not just to know and to teach and to disciple, but he senses the need, the value in him being encouraged as well. That he would be encouraged in their relationship. This really speaks to me. I, be, I believe it speaks of something uh, that is central to all of us and all of humanity, a deep need for every, that everyone has to be encouraged. If Paul needed to be encouraged, you can assume that your pastors need to be encouraged. That their wives need to be encouraged. That your crew leaders need to be encouraged. That your volunteer leaders, whatever ministry they're leading, need to be encouraged. Those leading us in worship need to be encouraged. Our audio engineers need to be encouraged. Often that's a thankless job unless there's, they don't get much uh, mention unless there's feedback or it's too soft or too loud. We, all of us, all of us, you... Me, all of us, need to be encouraged. I have to admit, I hate it when I ask how somebody is doing. And they tell me, but they don't ask how I'm doing. Do they assume I'm okay? Or do they not care? I wonder, and it does myth me. Why? Because I crave to be known as well. We all do. Can you envision a Christ community who are wholly committed to mutual encouragement? And not just any encouragement, but an encouragement that is centered, which is our third point. Spirit, and our last point, by the way. Spiritual encouragement is centered in faith. Verse 12, Paul writes, Mutually encouraged, that's the word mutually, mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Getting together and talking about everything but faith may be encouraging on one level, but it's not spiritually encouraging. And it won't build one another's faith. Just as we must be intentional with pre-Christians and sharing our faith, we must be intentional in talking about faith to our brothers and sisters. I actually think this is rare. We can talk about sports, music, art, politics, social issues, causes, family, pets, movies, the latest binge watch on TV, vacations, weekend plans, other people, by the way, that's gossip. You get the point. We can even talk about church without talking about faith. We can talk about church without talking about Jesus. 
meaningful scripture verses we've read or what we feel the Holy Spirit has been impressing on our heart as we've been praying and pulled away from the, uh, the noise of life and quieting our spirit and praying and meditating on scripture and having deep impressions of the Holy Spirit. That's those things will bring faith into a mutually edifying, encouraging conversation. Please take this in the spirit that I offer it because I can be as guilty as, as anyone. I, I love sports. I love, I love a lot of these things I mentioned. I love my pet. We're going to board him for two weeks and I don't know how I'm going to survive. But... So I'm as prone to this as anyone, but I envision this Christ community that, yeah, we can talk about certain things on that list, but before we break and go our separate ways, that there's been a Jesus moment. There's been a faith moment. There's been something that will encourage my brother or sister, and that they, in turn, will encourage me. Spiritual encouragement must be centered in faith or it's not spiritual encouragement. Now Paul writes a lot about encouragement. He writes more about encouragement than any other of the authors that are inspired by the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Now, uh, Paul is also very direct. He's very instructive. He can get right in your face. But there's just the thread of encouragement in his letters. And I really appreciate that about Paul. Who knew so much about the law, he could have just, just written about that. But again, God changed his heart. That kindness that leads to repentance, and he was a different person. In Romans 12.8, he lists the gift of encouragement as one of the spiritual gifts. Now, if you say, well, I don't have the gift of encouragement, so I'm off the hook. Well, there are some that are unusually gifted encouragers. I think of a lady by the name of Dorcas that uh, was uh, in the church in Sacramento when we were there. And you couldn't spend more than two minutes with Dorcas and you would just feel like so built up and encouraged like you could just run through a brick wall, you know, in faith because that was her gift. A man by the name of Tychicus is on two occasions sent by Paul to two churches with the express purpose of encouraging the believers in Ephesus and in Colossae. And specifically, there's reference to Paul sending this man, who obviously had the gift of encouragement, to just go build the faith of these two congregations. Now, it is a gift, so everybody doesn't have the gift. But even if you don't have the gift, we are responsible to encourage others in the faith. It's like evangelism. There is a gift of evangelism. There are some that are uniquely gifted to witness, to preach in a way that stirs the hearts of people uh, so they, there's, there's, their souls are one for Christ. There's those that are gifted in evangelism. But just because we may not be gifted in evangelism, it doesn't give us a pass from sharing the gospel. We can't say, well, I just don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm not ever going to tell anybody about Jesus. Just like, if we don't have the gift of encouragement, it doesn't mean that we just, we just take a pass on encouraging people. 
So there's the gift, but then there's the responsibility. And all of us have these responsibilities because it's the family of God. And we want others to come into the family of God. Amen? Amen. In 2 Corinthians 13.1, Paul links encouragement with restoration. That there are broken people that need to be encouraged. And that encouragement is a part of the restoration process. No, you can be restored. God can forgive. God can heal the broken places in your life and make you whole again. Let me encourage you with this. This is what Paul's talking about to the church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 13.1. In 1 Corinthians, Paul encourages believers to spread the gospel. All of these, again, are references to encourage, to encouragement. Be encouraged by hearing of the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming back. That's good news. That's encouraging news. To be encouraged by hearing that those saved will live together with Christ forever. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.11. When we gather as a family and friends Monday at mom's funeral, this is really the focus of encouragement that day in that setting. To encourage those that all who are saved will live together with Christ forever. To encourage the disheartened. To encourage others for every good deed and word. I think there are some that are just a little nudge of encouragement away from doing something amazing for God, a good deed for God, a, great, a mighty act in the name of Jesus. They just need a little encouragement. They need a little push in the right direction. You could be that person that would be that difference maker in the life of a brother or a sister. And in Titus 1.9, to encourage by sound doctrine... Heresy distorts truth and ultimately can destroy. We need to have sound doctrine. We need to know what the Word of God says. And the truth in the Word of God will help encourage people. It says so in Titus 1.9. Sound doctrine builds up and encourages one in the faith. In closing, one of the most compelling stories in the Bible is the story of Hagar. Hagar was a slave, a servant of Sarah, wife of Abraham. When Sarah could not conceive a child, Abraham slept with Hagar. She got pregnant. By the way, this was at Sarah's uh, bequest. Sarah had approved this. But then when it actually happened, Sarah went ballistic. Very cruel to Hagar, to the point where Hagar felt threatened. Felt like she was in danger and actually the baby that would be born, it was a dangerous situation. So Hagar ran away. She was scared, alone, pregnant, no shelter, zero resources, no acquaintances. She didn't have family to call, email, whatever, to, to help her out. She was alone. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible lands at this moment. Genesis 16, 7. The angel of the Lord found her. She's all alone, but God knew where she was. God found her. Gave her a plan. Gave her a promise. 
guided her to go back, that it was going to be okay. This angel represented the heart of God, the kindness of God for this very disheartened lady. Friends, we can't rely on an angel to encourage our brothers and sisters. It can happen. All things are possible with God. He can send an angel. Jesus can show right up and encourage you. You have our blessing, Lord. Like, that would be awesome. But as we've seen in the last couple thousand years, God chooses to use followers, those that believe in Him, those that are serving Him, to be what that angel was to Hagar. I think there are people that we need to go find that we once had fellowship with, that maybe sat and worshipped with us at Anchor. I think we need to find them. And I think a lot of them are not in fellowship anymore. They're just, they've kind of just faded away. I believe that as we pray, as we come into the presence of the Lord and have His heart, He will put people in our heart, in our mind, to reach out to. Perhaps even now you're thinking of someone that even you haven't seen in a month or so. Just for them to know that you care, that you've missed them. Encourage them. Things going on. Usually things are going on. I've discovered as a pastor for these few years that usually absence isn't just a coincidence. It just, not, it just doesn't happen. There's things going on. Life out of balance. Maybe there's, there's a variety of things that can happen. All of this to say that we would be a people committed to encouraging others. And I feel like it's important that um, that we actually, if we're reaching out to someone, and this might sound weird, but when we do say a word of encouragement to them, and we strive to say words that will build them up in the faith and help them and guide them a little bit, and just to let them know that God loves them and you love them, and you know this world isn't our home, and Jesus coming back, and if, if he tarries, then we're going to be with him at some point. It's all going to be good, just to encourage them. I think it's fine if after you share, if you say, and I'm going to try to put this in practice, to say, do you have anything that could encourage me? Because here's what I'm going through. It's very rare. It's almost like selfish, right? But I feel like if we take the words of Paul seriously, that we should be about a people that mutually encourage one another. Sometimes we just have to draw that out of them. Maybe they are not prone to engage in that way, to encourage you with certain words. So in closing, who can you encourage? Is God placing someone on your heart right now? As we pray, may we listen to uh, the voice of God, the impressions of God, May we respond. Maybe you just take notes so we don't forget. That we would be Jesus to them and invite them to encourage you after you encourage them. Can we pray together?